Beloved, our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Continue reading in the Old Testament from Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabites said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother, and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up, 
and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. And she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. May God bless the reading of his holy and precious word. Our text for this morning is from the chapter that we read, Ruth 2, the last verses there, 18 through 23. We'll not read them again, but we'll look at them in detail throughout the message and at the table with the Lord's help this morning. There's an expression that we often use in response to those who have hurt us, who have spoken ill of us, and are resistant to rebuilding a relationship. Expression is, we kill them with kindness. We kill them with kindness. We try to to win them over with kindness. We try to change their thinking about us. And in doing so, by showering them with kindness at every turn, the hope is that their heart will be changed toward us. Kind deeds, kind words. Kindness overcomes the barriers and the walls that they built between them and us. We kill them with kindness. We kill their hatred. We kill their animosity. We kill their negative attitude with kindness. How does God change hearts? How does God change hearts? With kindness. God changes hearts with His kindness. That's what we see operating here in these last verses as the lens of the storyteller, as it were, shifts back to Naomi. The first 17 verses were about Ruth as she goes out and gleans in the fields of Boaz. It was about Boaz and his generosity and his grace and his invitation to Ruth to come into his home to sit down as he feeds her. But now Naomi comes into view again. How has Naomi's heart changed from from bitterness to one of faith, to one of trust in God's purposes for her and for Ruth? Well, it's through kindness. 
That's the theme that emerges from these last verses. The pivot, the hinge on which the entire book turns. It's the loving kindness of God. It's God's kindness that rekindles faith and joy in the heart of Naomi. That's our theme this morning. Faith rekindled by kindness. By the kindness of the Redeemer's consideration. By the kindness of the Redeemer's chesed. And by the kindness of the Redeemer's care. In the last sermons, we considered how Ruth was a recipient of Boaz's grace and generosity. Through Boaz, we saw Christ, didn't we? The heart of Christ desires for us to return home with spiritual fullness focused on Him alone. And now the story shifts back to to Naomi. More specifically to Naomi's heart and how the Lord changes her heart through His kindness. For the generosity of Boaz reaches further than just Ruth, it reaches to Naomi. As Ruth returns home with her bounty, her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned as we read in verse 18. Way back in Ruth 1 verse 6, we read there that Naomi heard how the Lord has visited His people in, in giving them bread. She had heard with her ears. She travels to Bethlehem. She enters Bethlehem in bitterness of spirit. They're living there in great emptiness, physically and spiritually. But now, she not only hears, but she sees the evidence. She saw what Ruth had gleaned. God's provision and fullness makes its way closer to Naomi. The kindness and the care of God is inescapable. Remember that Naomi had hard thoughts of God and His providence. She thought that God was against her. But here she's learning that God is for her. The evidence of God's kindness is right there in front of her. Ruth lays it all out on the table, this bounty. She gives to Naomi that which she had reserved after she was sufficed. And so Ruth is not just splitting her harvest, her 30 to 50 pounds of barley. She's also giving to Naomi what she had left over from Boaz's meal. You recall that she left that meal with more than enough. She left with extras from that meal. Boaz's generosity from that meal and from his field spills over into Naomi's universe. The aroma, the tokens of Boaz's kindness settle into Naomi's senses. She has heard and now she sees. This is evidence of the Redeemer's consideration of Ruth and Naomi. It is evidence of the Lord's kind consideration for these two lonely, destitute women. It reminds us as well this morning of the Lord's consideration of us. To our believers, providing evidences of his kindness and of his generosity. Maybe you've only heard of the Lord's kindness, providing spiritual strength and, and restoration in Christ. And you've returned to the Lord. You cannot deny that. 
Maybe you still have hard thoughts of God, jumbled thoughts of who God is, misunderstandings of of God's character and His dealings with, with you. Well, the Lord in His consideration and His kindness provides further evidence that He feeds hungry sinners with Himself in the table. We saw last week that Boaz feeds with his own hand. That's what God does in the gospel. He feeds with himself. He feeds with his own hand. Or maybe you're here this morning like Naomi. You're struggling with God's providences in your life. Heavy trials, yet another affliction that that God has placed on you. And your horizon has grown dark. You backslidden, perhaps. But the Lord lays evidence on the table this morning, pointing to His provision in Christ. He invites those who cannot deny their need of Him to come and to take advantage of this kind consideration. Not just hearing, but seeing, filling the senses with who God is, with His, with his bounty, with his, with his provision, with His grace, with Himself, with the Redeemer Himself. So often you look for evidence that the Lord has begun His work in you and continues His work in you. After a week of self-examination, it can be, it can be challenging because you come this morning and you look at yourself and you say, where are those evidences? But the Lord comes again and He gives His own evidence first. We need to remember that those internal, those subjective evidences will never be there apart from looking to the objective evidence of the grace and the kindness of God. And so he lays out before us again the evidence of his kindness, testifying to us that Christ broke his body and shed His blood for sinners just like you. And so there's the evidence of God's generosity through the greater Boaz, Christ Jesus. But then there are questions, aren't there? Naomi comes with questions. She wants to know where Ruth had worked and gleaned in verse 19. Where hast thou gleaned today? Where rottest thou? In other words, who's, who's behind? What's behind this generosity that you've that you brought to my home? Where does this bounty come from? Children, that's a question that you maybe ask your mom when she comes home from doing groceries. You come home from school and you open the pantry. You open the cupboard doors. Maybe you see your favorite snacks. And more than just your favorite snacks... Your mom has stocked the cupboard with your favorite snacks. It's full to bursting with your favorite snacks. And you say, where did this come from? There's this excitement, this desire to know what the source of that blessing is. That's what's behind Naomi's question. Desire to know the source of this blessing. Even a source of excitement in these questions. 
You get the sense that Naomi's heart is already turning here with these questions, with this excitement. Where in the world would would Ruth get this bounty? Where would this Moabite woman get this bounty from? Where did she work that provided such bounty? Naomi's emptiness is being filled from this yet unknown source. And then there's the exclamation that follows, blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. It's not just the location where Ruth gleaned that Naomi is interested in. She's interested in the person behind this display of generosity. Who is it? It's not stated in a question, but simply an exclamation. Blessed be he who has taken notice, who has taken knowledge of thee. The one who has done this is divinely favored, Naomi exclaims. She notes his actions behind this kind consideration. He took notice of thee. There's an emphasis there on the fact that Ruth should probably not have been taken notice of by normal standards because she was a stranger. In a twist of providence, this stranger, this Moabites, is noticed by an Israelite farmer. And that notice results in bounty for Ruth and Naomi. It's as if Naomi is emerging from the darkness of the bitterness of her soul. As all that bounty is laid out on the table, as she comes with her, with her inquiry and her, her exclamation, her, her questions and her statement, Because Boaz's consideration of them is really God's, is really the Lord's consideration of Ruth and Naomi. Maybe that's the question that you have this morning, similar to Naomi. Where is this bounty from? Not entirely sure of its origin, yet, yet speaking of the one who has taken notice of you. A measure of wonder, excitement, desire to know more of of who is behind the display of grace, who is behind the gospel, who is behind the proclamation, who is behind the feeding, who is behind the, the tenderness and the care that has been bestowed upon you. You want to know what is behind it and who is behind it. Well, here we have it. Blessed be he who has taken notice of you, the one who is divinely favored. It is the Redeemer. It is Christ Himself. The evidence brings us there this morning, brings us directly to the feet of the greater Boaz. It's the greater Boaz who takes notice of strangers like you and me. He uses his provision to thaw cold and dark and hardened hearts to rekindle faith in His provision and in His person. And then Ruth responds to Naomi's question and exclamation. She showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought in verse 19. And then she says, the man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. Here's the one who has shown me this this kindness, Mother Naomi. Naomi. His name is Boaz, the one whose name means in whom is strength. 
His name is Boaz. He's bent that strength. He's bent that power to provide for me who was a stranger. He went above and beyond the law. He bent his strength and power of his generous character to enfold Ruth into his family, commanding her into his fields to send her home with, with bounty that will fill not just Ruth, but Naomi as well. His name is Boaz. Naomi's ears perk up as she hears this name, Boaz. He's the one behind all this food. He's the one behind this evidence. It is Boaz in whom is strength that God uses to bend Naomi's embittered soul towards joy and delight and faith in God's provision again. And that raises the question for us this morning, doesn't it? Who's behind the grace that you receive, believer? Is it not the greater Boaz who, who can transform your perspective and who does that even this morning through his kind consideration? The evidence is right in front of you this morning. You can hear it. You can see it. You can smell it. You can taste it. His kind consideration. The greater Boaz. The one who possesses all strength and all power. The one who has bent heaven and earth to bring you to himself in the work of Christ Jesus. The one who in his providence brought all things together to secure redemption for your soul. As you hear the name of the greater Boaz this morning, the name of Jesus. Does he not change your perspective? With all the rumblings and goings on in your own soul, all the questions, all the, the challenges, all the internal dialogue and the argumentation, I'm not worthy, I'm not ready, how much more evidence do you need? That he's ready, that he's ready to receive sinners at his table and to feed you with his own hand. He opens up his fields. He opens up his home. The house of bread. And he says at the mealtime, come and sit. He is the one in whom is strength. A week of self-examination highlights your weakness and your sin. But this morning, you need to refocus from your weakness and from your sin to the strength and the power and the grace of the Redeemer Himself. Is your heart bitter? Is it grieving? Is the name of Jesus sweet? It's the only name that will change your perspective. Will you be persuaded again this morning by his kind consideration. Because his consideration changes our hearts, doesn't it? He lavishes his grace. We saw Ruth bend under 30 to 50 pounds of, of barley as she, as she went home from the harvest. 
It's all laid out now in front of Naomi. In a sense, the supper is laid out for Naomi's this morning. This changes how we think about God. Brings us back to joy and delight and faith. But it's not just the consideration of the Redeemer. It's also the Redeemer's chesed. The Redeemer's chesed. His loving kindness. As Ruth shares Boaz's name with Naomi, it's as if her heart is rekindled with this flame of, of love and, and faith in the Lord. And what follows is a beautiful confession that captures both the change of heart in Naomi as well as, 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 well as what is at the heart of the book of Ruth. Verse 20, we read these words, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord. She reaffirms the divine favor upon now Boaz, who has been named by Ruth. Blessed be he of the Lord. This, this, this man is blessed, is divinely favored of the Lord for what he's done for you and for me. The Lord there is in capital letters indicating that this is the covenant name of Jehovah. The first thing to notice is the use of Naomi's name in this verse. Verse 18 and 19, we read mother-in-law. Mother-in-law. Ruth's mother-in-law was a woman who was embittered with God's providence. She had entered into Bethlehem's walls saying, call me Mara, call me bitter. She remains unnamed in these verses before verse 20, her confession. But now the writer uses her name, Naomi. It's interesting that the writer of the book does not use Mara at all, apart from what Naomi wanted as she entered into Bethlehem. He continues to use Naomi. Verse 18 and 19, simply mother-in-law. But now it's as if she's back. She's back into her, her name. She's living out her name. Remember what her name meant? Kindness, sweetness, or pleasantness. The usage of her name at this point has a dramatic effect of demonstrating this rekindled faith. It's not Mara. Not bitter, but sweetness. Pleasantness. As the kindness of God comes in like a flood into Naomi's heart. Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. There's this play this development of Naomi's name. But then we also notice what she says. Boaz is blessed of the Lord. What Boaz has done can only be of the Lord's doing is essentially what she's saying. 
But then Naomi continues, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Who is it that shows this kindness in the story? Some commentators think it refers only to Boaz, that Boaz shows his kindness to the living and to the dead. And that's true. He does show his kindness. But if we follow the the grammar of the sentence, who refers back to the Lord, not simply to Boaz. Blessed be he of the Lord, the Lord who hath shown this kindness. The word kindness there is chesed. The Lord has not left up this kindness or chesed to the living or to the dead. It's his kindness that has sustained Naomi all along. It's his, his kindness, his chesed that has brought Ruth into the covenant community of the Israelites. Connected Boaz with both of them. At the heart of the entire book of Ruth is this idea of chesed. What is it? Apart from this translation of kindness, what is it? Sinclair Ferguson defines it this way, and I think it's a very helpful definition. Chesed is not simply love or kindness in an ordinary sense. It means God's deep goodness expressed in His covenant commitment. His absolute loyalty. His obligating of Himself to bring to fruition the blessings that He has promised, whatever it may cost Him personally to do that. Let me read that again. Chesed means God's deep goodness expressed in His covenant commitment. His absolute loyalty, His obligating of Himself to bring to fruition the blessings that He has promised, whatever it may cost Him personally to do that. It's through Boaz that God mirrors this chesed. But it's chesed, it's God's covenant loyalty, His commitment that controls the entire narrative. Because this book is about the history of redemption. It's a book about the outworking of the covenant of God with His people. It's a book about the covenant loyalty of God and and the great cost to God Himself in securing the covenant promise, securing the, the very heart and the substance of the covenant in sending His own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Redeemer of His people, as the Redeemer of sinners this morning, pictured in the greater Boaz, the Redeemer who comes to redeem Ruth and Naomi. So Christ is the heart of the covenant, is the expression of the chesed of the Lord. And so it's the foundation for the Lord's dealings with Ruth and Naomi. It's a consideration of this chesed that leads Naomi to a rekindled faith in the Lord. It's really a confession of faith, isn't it? Blessed be he of the Lord who has not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. She's confessing her rekindled faith in who the Lord is and what he's done and what he will do for Ruth and Naomi. And so we see an alignment of Naomi with her daughter-in-law Ruth. 
Their confessions mirror each other, don't they? Though Naomi with less words here and Ruth with more words in Ruth 1, 15 through 18. And yet the substance is the same. They're both confessing their faith in the chesed of the Lord. And it's this. As all these things begin to click in Naomi's life, that changes her heart, that clinches it for her. Aha, Boaz, the kindness of the Lord. The kindness of the Lord. The Redeemer. There is a Redeemer. And if it's, this, if it's this kindness, if it's this chesed of the Lord that rekindles the faith of Naomi, it should be nothing less for us this morning to rekindle and sustain our faith in God's promises, in God's purposes for our lives, both in providence and grace. His chesed is the foundation upon which we come to the table, not what my hands have done, but what the Lord has done in sending His Redeemer. It's His kindness that draws us to Himself in repentance and faith. It's His kindness that has led Naomi to this point. She has heard of the Lord's kindness to His people. But now she sees it for herself and she hears it in the name of Boaz. That should be it for us as well. It's His kindness that invites us again to feed purposefully. To feed fully on His bounty this morning. Remember last Sunday morning, or last Sunday evening rather, we saw that it was the delight of Boaz to send Ruth home. He made it easy for her. He said, there's a place right among the reapers. You don't have to follow them anymore. You're right there with them. You can pick up the handfuls of of grain as they fall from the reapers, and the reapers won't pick them up. They'll make it easy for you. You don't have to be restricted to the corners. You can be right in the middle of the field where there are handfuls of purpose for you to pick up. The Lord's loving kindness, beloved. As you're invited to the table again, the table of the greater Boaz, Let us exclaim with the psalmist, thy loving kindness, thy chesed is better than life. Therefore shall my lips praise thee. Because it's his chesed, his loving kindness that rekindles faith, that sustains faith, that draws us to him again. And part of this chesed is how God reconnects Naomi with one of her own family. She exclaims as part of this kindness that the Lord has shown to her and her late husband, to the living and to the dead, that Boaz is near of kin to us. She speaks of the closeness of relationship of Boaz. Only this can be the result of the Lord's kindness. No chance in this story, is there? Only God could orchestrate this. Only God could bring Boaz into the story at this point. Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, who knew what it was to be a stranger, could include another stranger and provide for Naomi. 
He's one of our next kinsmen. A near kinsman, Naomi says. Speaks of the closeness of relationship with a near kinsman. Speaks of the Redeemer. Kinsman there, that word is the word goel in the Hebrew. The word used for Redeemer or redemption. In Ruth 2, verses 1 through 3, we read that Boaz was of the kinsman of Elimelech, was a kinsman of Elimelech. But here Naomi goes further. She connects Boaz with the concept of redemption in the Old Testament, one who could buy back the inheritance for Ruth and Naomi, one who could restore them back to the place in their family, in the nation, in the covenant of God. We'll see more of this play out in chapters 3 and 4, but suffice it to say that here Naomi latches on. She sees by faith what God is providing here in Boaz. A near kinsman, the potential of Boaz to be the one to redeem them, to secure their inheritance again, to give them security and a place with the people of God. Naomi's faith is rekindled as Ruth shares this happy news with her. The possibility of redemption, of a future, of an inheritance, of a redeemer. Isn't that what the Lord reminds us of as well this morning? We have a Goel, one who is of close kinship to us. One who is made like unto us in all things except for sin. One who is touched with all the feelings of our infirmities. One who knows where your soul is this morning. He's our kinsman. But better than that, he's our kinsman redeemer. He is our goel. Here is not only the possibility, the future of redemption. But this morning in the gospel and in the table, there is the reality of the Redeemer himself. Who has redeemed us from sin. Who has secured our inheritance in heavenly places. Who comes and invites us to sit at the table this morning to taste of that inheritance. In essence, he's saying this morning, here's a down payment of that inheritance. Enjoy it. It's like parents who give of their inheritance before they are dead. Saying, I'd rather see you enjoy it now than when we're gone. Christ has secured our eternal inheritance. Gives us a taste of it now as our goel. The Redeemer himself the greater Boaz. And we have the ending of the story of Ruth, don't we? And so we can see Christ more clearly at this point in the story. Even more clearly than Naomi did. How our faith and our hope and our joy ought to be rekindled at the happy news that there is a Redeemer. That there is a kinsman. 
perfectly qualified to be your and my Redeemer. One who has strength and power to save. One has, who has strength and power to change our perspective of Him this morning. And so He lays out the evidence. And He reminds us of what it is that is underneath all of this. His loving kindness. His chesed. At the table, we'll consider our third thought. We'll now read the form for the administration of the Lord's Supper. You can find that in the back of the Psalter, page 137. We'll begin at the top of the second column. And as we read through that first section there, let's keep in mind what we learned about chesed this morning, how it comes at great cost to God himself, and see how that cost is portrayed in what Christ has done. Let us now also consider to what end the Lord hath instituted his supper, namely that we do it in remembrance of him. Now after this manner are we to remember him by it. First, that we are confidently persuaded in our hearts that our Lord Jesus Christ according to the promises made to our forefathers in the Old Testament, was sent of the Father into the world, that he assumed our flesh and blood, that he bore for us the wrath of God under which we should have perished everlastingly from the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life upon earth, and that he had fulfilled for us all obedience to the divine law and righteousness, especially when the weight of our sins and the wrath of God pressed out of him the bloody sweat in the garden where he was bound that we might be freed from our sins, that he afterwards suffered innumerable reproaches that we might never be confounded, that he was innocently condemned to death that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. Yea, that he suffered his blessed body to be nailed on the cross, that he might fix thereon the handwriting of our sins, and hath also taken upon himself the curse due to us, that he might fill us with his blessings, and hath humbled himself unto the deepest reproach, and pains of hell, both in body and soul, on the tree of the cross, when he cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken of him. And finally, confirmed with his death and shedding of his blood, the new and eternal testament, that covenant of grace and reconciliation, when he said, It is finished. Secondly, and that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ in his last supper took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. In like manner also after supper he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. 
That is, as often as ye eat of this bread and drink of this cup, ye shall thereby, as by a sure remembrance and pledge, be admonished and assured of this my hearty love and faithfulness towards you. That whereas ye should have you should otherwise have suffered eternal death, I have given my body to the death of the cross and shed my blood for you. And as certainly feed and nourish your hungry and thirsty souls with my crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life, as this bread is broken before your eyes and this cup is given to you, and you eat and drink the same with your mouth in remembrance of me. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, We see that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross as to the only ground and foundation of our salvation, wherein he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true meat and drink of life eternal. For by his death he hath taken away the cause of our eternal death and misery, namely sin, and obtained for us the quickening spirit that we by the same who dwelleth in Christ as in the head and in us as his members, might have true communion with him and be made partakers of all his blessings of life eternal, righteousness, and glory. Besides, that we by this same Spirit may also be united as members of one body in true brotherly love, as the holy apostle saith, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread For as as out of many grains one meal is ground and one bread baked, that of many berries being pressed together one wine floweth and mixeth itself together, so shall we all, who by a true faith are ingrafted into Christ, be altogether one body, through brotherly love, for Christ's sake, our beloved Savior, who hath so exceedingly loved us, and not only show this in word, but also in very deed towards one another. Here to assist us, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit. Amen. That we may obtain all this, let us humble ourselves before God and with true faith implore his grace. O most merciful God and Father, we beseech thee that thou wilt be pleased in this supper in which we celebrate the glorious remembrance of the bitter death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, that we may daily more and more with true confidence Give ourselves up unto thy Son, Jesus Christ, that our afflicted and contrite hearts through the power of the Holy Ghost may be fed and comforted with his true body and blood, yea, with him, true God and man, that only heavenly bread, that we may no longer live in our sins, but he in us and we in him, and thus truly be made partakers of the new and everlasting covenant of grace, that we may not doubt, but thou wilt forever be our gracious Father, nevermore imputing our sins unto us and providing us with all things necessary as well for the body as the soul as thy beloved children and heirs. Grant us also thy grace that we may take up our cross cheerfully, deny ourselves, confess our Savior, and in all tribulations with uplifted heads expect our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven where he will make our mortal bodies like unto his most glorious body and take us unto him in eternity. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Strengthen us also by this holy supper in the Catholic undoubted Christian faith, whereof we make confession with our mouths and hearts, saying, I believe in God the Father, almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That we... May be now fed with the true heavenly bread, Christ Jesus. Let us not cleave with our hearts unto the external bread and wine, but lift them up on high in heaven, where Christ Jesus is our advocate, at the right hand of his heavenly Father, whither all the articles of our faith lead us, not doubting. We shall as certainly be fed and refreshed in our souls through the working of the Holy Ghost with his body and blood, as we receive the holy bread and wine in remembrance of him. At the time of the meal, Boaz said to Ruth, Come and eat. And Ruth sat, and she ate, and was sufficed, went home with more than enough. The greater Boaz says the same this morning. All things are ready. The table, the feast is spread. For Ruth's for Naomi's, for sinners who confess their only hope in Christ. We'll give opportunity now to the elderly, to those who need some extra time to come, to come first. There's lots of room yet, so please, let's fill the the table. table is full, so we will pray. O greater Boaz, even the fact that we can have this meal, that we can have the preaching of the gospel, that we have the scriptures, is a result of thy loving kindness. Over and above what we deserve. Yet thou hast come inviting us, inviting us into thy presence to eat and to drink with thee, to feed upon thee, to remember thy death, to remember thy broken body and thy shed blood that thou hast done for us. Thee for us. May our minds and hearts dwell on that great exchange this morning and glorify Thee, confessing that Thy loving kindness is better than life. Help us to feed now to Thy glory and to our strengthening. For Jesus' sake, amen.
The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Just a reminder that we will all eat together in a moment. The great cost of feeding us this morning is the expense of the broken body of Christ. Boaz's cost was great in feeding Ruth, including her in his household as a daughter. But Christ bears the greater cost. Christ said when he broke the bread, take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Christ instituted the supper. He said, take, drink, and do this in remembrance of me. Blood is for the full remission of your sin. Naomi's faith is rekindled by the consideration of the Redeemer, by the kindness of the Redeemer's chesed, and now by the kindness of the Redeemer's care. Darkness has gone from dawn as they entered into Bethlehem, and now in Bethlehem, dawn has moved to noonday sun as Naomi begins to understand what God is doing through the Redeemer. Bitterness gives way to rekindled faith and joy. Ruth continues to recount what Boaz has done and said to her. Her heart is full of Boaz. She wants her mother-in-law, Naomi, to know what Boaz has done for her. Verse 21, we read, And Ruth the Moabites said, He said unto me also, 
Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. Speaks to the place and to the length of time that Ruth spent in Boaz's field. He opened up his field for her. That's what Christ does. Boaz held nothing back. Christ holds nothing back. Boaz allows her to move from the corners of the field to the prized place of working amongst the young men where the choicest grain was. She's guaranteed a place in Boaz's field till the end of harvest. Till the end of harvest. The generosity of Boaz will continue for as long as Ruth will need it. Until she's full. And she shares this with Naomi. There's a sense of excitement with these two women in their home. Let me tell you what Boaz has done for me. Will you not do the same this morning regarding the greater Boaz's generosity to you? He opens up the invitation to feed on him. He tells us to come to the choicest place, not as strangers, but as sons and daughters among maidens. He bids us to come from the corners to the place of his fullness around this table where the grain falls most generously. He makes it easy for us this morning, doesn't he? He says, come and eat. He sustains our faith. He rekindles our faith. There's this happy news of his generosity not refocused on his providence and on his grace, on his redemption. He does not reproach us, but he allows us to glean and to eat until the end of harvest, until we are full. And then when we're empty, he bids us come again. He's got an inexhaustible supply for sinners like you and me. Until one day, we no longer need this supper. We'll no longer need the preaching of the gospel. But we'll see our Boaz face to face. Beloved, this is, this is our Boaz. He says, come and stay in the field until you have enough. And then come again and come again and keep on coming until the harvest is done. Until the harvest is done and he will come and reap his own harvest and take us to himself. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest to the full. Come and eat Still two seats here. Okay. <clears throat> the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Bread is a common food. A common food that pictures an uncommon reality. The reality that Christ came 
as the bread of life. So that we no longer need to hunger for the country of Moab. But we can come to the house of bread to Bethlehem and be filled. Jesus says, take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me for the remission of all your sin. cup of blessing which we bless and for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. As Ruth shares what Boaz has done for her, Naomi assents. She responds with these words, It is good, my daughter that they'll go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. Naomi's rekindled faith and hope recognizes that Ruth is safe in Boaz's fields. She's safe among the, the maidens of Boaz. She encourages her to remain with those maidens in Boaz's field. The phrase there, that they meet thee not in any other field, can also be translated, that they not fall upon you indicating the dangers of going anywhere else. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that we need to drink. Drink and remember for the remission of sins. Thank you. The phrase that they fall not upon you indicates the dangers of going anywhere else and the possibility of being assaulted in another field. Rekindled faith encourages Ruth to the protection of Boaz. Any other field would pose a danger for Ruth's person, but not Boaz's. It would also pose a danger to Ruth's redemption if she would duck out from beneath Boaz's protection. Some say that Naomi is being self-serving here. She's trying to manipulate Ruth to go into Boaz's field. But I don't think that's true. If verse 20 is a confession of of Naomi's faith, she's operating on faith here. That Ruth should remain in that field because this is where she will be redeemed. This is where Naomi will be redeemed. Naomi takes hold of that grace of the law that provided for the redemption of the relative, the redemption of the inheritance, the restoration of all that was hers through Elimelech. So she's operating by faith here, saying it's good, Ruth, to stay here. Don't go in any other field because you'll be endangered. Not just your person, but the very reality of redemption could be threatened. Going to any other field would be dangerous and even foolish.
And we've seen that Boaz provided protection for Ruth. Now raises the question, where are we seeking protection this morning? By sitting around the table, we are confessing that we are under the protection of Christ. And it'd be foolish to go to any other field. We know how we, when we dwelt in the world, the dangers we were in. But the world very much lives in our hearts still. We are still sinners, though justified. There's always that lure, that attraction, that pull from the world, from, from the other fields. But it's in the field of the greater Boaz, isn't it, that we find protection and grace from sin and judgment. It's here in the field of Christ, at the table, in the, the preaching of the gospel, the reading of the word, that we're safe and redemption is guaranteed. So we're called to take hold of that grace that speaks to the redemption that is in Christ and not seek for another, to be exclusively Christ's, to belong exclusively to the greater Boaz. There's no one better. There's no better place to be this morning. And so renew your resolves this morning at the table not to go to another field, not to open yourself up to the dangers of sin and the liability of judgment, but to go and to say with Naomi, it is good to remain in the field of the greater Boaz, to live by faith in the hope and the promises of redemption, looking for that salvation that is coming from the greater Boaz, always looking ahead, always looking up to when he will come again and redeem us fully and finally. Let us encourage one another. That's what we see in this narrative as well. Naomi is encouraging Ruth, the one another, Encourage one another to remain in Christ's field, to glean in the fields of Christ. When we see someone going to another field, say, no, brother, no, sister, you stay in the field of Boaz. It's good to stay there. You're opening yourself up to danger otherwise. That's what rekindled faith does, as we see in the life of Naomi. So let us remain in the field of the greater Boaz this morning. The field is open again for harvest. It's good to be in the field of Boaz, to remain among his maidens and glean there. Because that's where redemption is. That's where Christ is. So come. The field of Boaz is large. There's still room. There's room at this table. But more importantly, there's room in the field. You can accommodate many gleaners. Is there someone hungry? Someone that cannot deny the Lord Jesus Christ and needs to be fed? There's a place in the field. You make it difficult, but he makes it easy. Just remember that. There's no one else, and we'll close this table. We'll not open another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank Thee for Thy lavish generosity that sends us home with more 
than we can carry. Just like Ruth staggered under that weight of 30 to 50 pounds of barley, so we stagger under the glorious weight of thy grace. Fill us, Lord, till we want no more. Grant that this supper would sustain and strengthen our faith till the next time. That we would continually glean in thy word and in thy field, recognizing that it is good to be here, that it is good to feed on Christ, because thou art worthy. Lord, hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Certainly as Christ, as we eat this bread and drink this wine, so certainly Christ will feed our hungry and thirsty souls with himself. I love the word certainly. There's no hesitation with Christ. What he says, he will certainly do. And so we can rest in his promise. Take, eat, and do this in remembrance of Christ's broken body. cup of blessing for the cup of blessing which we bless and for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ take and drink and do this in remembrance of me for the remission of all your sin As we wait for the redemption of Naomi and Ruth in chapters 3 and 4, we read that Ruth kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Ruth gleaned both barley and wheat. The end of chapter 1, we read it was the beginning of barley harvest. Little did we think that Ruth would also participate in the wheat harvest, both of these harvests. A period of approximately seven weeks, the sliver of hope, the barley harvest, the beginning of barley harvest, turns into an abundance of hope and provision, protection, and now redemption. Ruth continued to live with her mother-in-law, signaling that she was the sole provider for Naomi, as well as signaling her faithfulness to her mother-in-law. 
This human relationship is a beautiful picture of spiritual friendship. Their hearts aligned now through Boaz's kindness and knit even closer as they will be redeemed together by Boaz. What better way to commune this morning than to keep fast in the fields of the greater Boaz, recognizing our status as sons and daughters. Boaz's bounty continued for at least seven weeks. How much more Christ's bounty will continue till the end, the end of harvest, where rekindled faith will become sight. The last phrase of this verse speaks of spiritual friendship, speaks of the communion of saints. We experience something of that this morning. But as we go from the table, we're not called to keep our harvest to ourselves. Ruth brought it and laid it out before her mother-in-law. She shared her bounty. She remained with her mother-in-law, no doubt speaking about the things that happened and the hope that they would have for the future. They encouraged each other by looking back and by looking forward. Communion of saints does that. We're here this morning remembering what Christ has done. But we also look forward to what Christ will do for us. Security of belonging to the Redeemer brings people together to share these things, to not just share, but to encourage, to to help each other along, to look together for the hope of His coming. And so let our communion this morning, let our conversation with one another throughout today and until the next communion, focus on the chesed, on the kindness of the Redeemer. Because it's this chesed that has brought Christ into the world. It's this chesed that caused Christ to be put to death. Read Isaiah 53. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. It's this chesed that will bring us all the way home to the Redeemer's home where there is fullness forevermore. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord hath now fed our souls at this table, let us therefore jointly praise his holy name with thanksgiving and everyone say in his heart thus, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Who hath not spared his own son, but delivered him up for us all, and given us all things with him. Therefore God commendeth therewith his love towards us, 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified in his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we are reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Therefore shall my mouth and heart show forth the praise of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Amen. Let us give thanks. O Almighty, merciful God and Father, we render thee most humble and hearty thanks that thou hast of thy infinite mercy given us thine only begotten Son for a mediator and a sacrifice for our sins and to be our meat and drink unto life eternal and that thou hast given, that thou givest us lively faith whereby we are made partakers of such great benefits. Thou hast also been pleased that thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, should institute and ordain his holy supper for the confirmation of the same. Grant, we beseech thee, O faithful God and Father, that through the operation of thy Holy Spirit, the commemoration of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ may tend to the daily increase of our faith and saving fellowship with him through Jesus Christ, thy Son, in whose name we conclude our prayer. Amen.